Okay, well, um, I think we'll go ahead and get started now. Welcome, everybody, to Taking Stock, our weekly X space put on by the DRS GME and YDRS team. Chives, Bibic, and myself will be hosting. Okay, well, um, I think well, we'll hold on one sec. I don't know why my volume keeps turning on with my. There we go. So, uh, just a couple of quick updates before we get to our guests. The first update, which is very exciting is that the DRS GM, GME team has helped John Pro revive the computershare.net site. For any, anyone unaware of this site, it tracks the general location of all the GME shares, including the number of GME shares in ETFs, mutual funds, pension funds, numbers, uh, shares held by insiders, and of course, DRS. The team will be updating this quarterly as the new 13F and 13Ds are filed, along with the new DRS numbers. There's no bot scraper anymore. We're only going to use primary sources for the data. We're going to post a link to the site, the computershare.net site, along with a current screenshot. Chives, you want to update us on uh, some stuff? Yeah, I definitely do. Thanks so much. I want to just uh, update on the YDRS database. Pleased to announce that we've got a milestone as far as our investor relations tool is concerned. We've now got over 25% of all U.S. publicly traded companies. Uh, so in the re- in the realm of 3,000 companies who have their uh, their data in there, with the support for the investor relations tool, what that means is that uh, we're hopeful to see more public outreach thanks to the tool, and that outreach results in more public disclosure of companies' DRS numbers. Uh, we want DRS to be available for everyone. Um, if you want to help that out, we have public data entry parties every Sunday on Discord, and uh, you know, we'd love to have more folks stop by and be interested uh, in the database. So thank you. Cool. Hey, Bibic, uh, do you have an update for us? Yes. Yeah, so from my side of the pond, uh, we've got this UK task force that are trying to essentially remove the option of direct registration uh, and make it mandatory to use a nominee. Uh, there's been lots of support going on. If uh, anyone hasn't sent an email into the task force yet, please do. Anyone in the world can do it uh, and comment. There are so many template letters out there now. Um, I was hoping to share uh, Bella Kramer's uh, template, but uh, I'm still looking for it at the moment. I'm not sure if she's gone live with it yet. But uh, that will be out soon. So keep an eye on uh, Bella Kramer's and exchange now evs uh twitter's uh, feeds and stuff like that um but yeah i'll be I'll, I'll be posting about it continuously because the uh deadline is coming up it's this monday the 25th so if anyone uh, wants to help protect our rights as investors uh over here in england please come and help us out um and beyond that is uh other than that, I should say, is um, all of our Taking Stock episodes are now live on all major podcast networks. So you don't have to tune in live. Uh, you don't even have to have a Twitter account anymore. You can just get the juicy education and information about DRS whenever, wherever. Um, and I think uh, we had it confirmed earlier. We've got some some sweet intro music coming your way uh, as well <laughs> for every episode. So uh stay tuned for that uh as we know more but uh yeah that's it for me excellent well uh you know we're very excited to be joined by bill Fulte and kevin malone today 
Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Uh, this is the first time Pulte is joining us. How are you doing, Bill? Can, can we call you, Bill? Call me whatever you want. Okay. Um, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thanks for your time. Of it's course. The second time, it's the second time Kevin is joining us. Um, you know, what's new, Kevin? I heard that you were launching a charity fund. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that? Is it live yet? Um, what does your charity do? Hey, guys. How we doing? Thanks for hosting the space call today. Um, yeah, we actually, I was up until past midnight last night working on the website and launched the charitable fund today. Um, really stoked about it. We are going to be advocating and trying to change the U.S. education system to get personal finance into the mandatory curriculum. I mean, I feel that it is up there with majority of all the mandatory subjects to learn this, and it's a system that's broken that causes the wealth gap to grow larger. And so I think everyone in America deserves to learn about personal finance, not just the people in college and beyond. Love that, man. That is awesome. Yeah, that is really good. I'm actually in the uh, education field. We we should talk a little more in detail. Uh, maybe absolutely the space. Cool. I hope uh, DRS is going to be part of this curriculum. <laughs> <laughs> it should be. We'll put it in the book on what it means. Well, uh, in a previous episode, we discussed with Kevin some of the findings from Grapevine when the share- shareholder list was examined. Uh, we also talked to Kevin about his efforts to DRS his client's shares. If you'd like to listen to that recording or any other previous episode, we're going to place a few links in the nest including a link to the DRS Your GMEX community, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. We've also posted today's agenda in the nest. And uh, we'll go ahead and get started with the first topic here, which is libel, slander, and disinformation campaigns against good people. Uh, Bill and Kevin, I've been following you guys for a while now, and it's obvious you are good people. Uh, Twitter philanthropy speaks for itself, Bill. This new charitable uh, fun sounds awesome. And you guys both put your money where your mouth is, in particular with DRS. We've seen your receipts. We wish there were more people like you. Um, unfortunately, a number of public figures have inserted themselves into this household movement just to benefit themselves. But you guys are the real deal. Hey, Chives, could you mute yourself for a second? Um, but just like Ryan Cohen, you guys have bad act. Uh, there's bad actors out there that seem intent on sullying your reputation. So my first question for you guys is what's it like to have a target on your back by bad actors? Does it bother you? How do you respond and maybe give us some examples of how you've dealt with these folks? Well, for me, it means you're over the target. You know, if people want to hide things or they want to attack you, you know, nine times out of 10, you're on to something because if you weren't on to something, they just say, oh, that guy's a quack. And, you know, we don't really care about him. But when they fight you and the harder they fight you, the more that I think that you're on to something. And so it's even like this whole Bed Bath & Beyond slash GME slash AMC thing is like, I think that all of those people should at least be friends, not enemies. And, you know, I get a lot of heat for that, but my view on it is that the enemies are so strong who are against us and we have the right enemies. I truly believe that. 
that it's like, why would we try to put each other down? There's so much more energy on the other side. And so whenever I see somebody either in a space like this or even, uh, you know, hitting me up on Twitter, it's like, I don't want that negative energy anywhere near me. And so, and there's actually a couple of people in here who I blocked on Twitter and it's not for me, it's not personal, but it's just like, look, if they've got issues and they're going to freak out and flip out, it's like, go deal with your shit, but don't, <laughs> don't bring it into my life. And so, you know, that's just kind of the way that I look at it. So, you know, a lot of people say, well, why are you sympathetic to this group or to that group or whatever? Or like a couple of weeks ago, I posted something about how great the Taylor Swift thing was for the AMC shareholders. And some of the GME folks were really upset with me. Well, everybody knows I love GME and I love Ryan Cohen. But at the end of the day, you know, it's like the spirit of many of these things. And I'm not talking about, you know, the CEO, Adam Aaron, or I'm not talking about any any one person like that who's leading a company, but the average person, which I consider myself to be, who's involved in these companies, I think shares the same spirit. And so um, it doesn't bother me too much, but I just try to, you know, like a knife with uh, with cancer, I try to just get rid of the, the bad cells, so to speak, before they replicate. And that's at least how I deal with it. You know, early on, I felt a lot of guilt for blocking people and stuff like that. But, you know, especially as I got bigger and bigger, and you don't even want to know how many people are blocked on my Twitter and make your head spin. But it's a it's just a function of numbers. You know, if you got three million people following you, you're going to get X amount of people who are a little bit nutty or whatever. So that's kind of the way I deal with it, Kevin. And I was given that advice, actually, real quick by Mr. Beast, believe it or not, because I remember I was with him in North Carolina shortly after I had blown up and gotten big. And and I turned to him and I said, you know, I'm having a hard time. He says, what are you having a hard time with? And it's kind of weird because this guy's 10 years younger than me, you know, this, uh, you know, Mr. Beast is. And he said to me, you know, you really just can't even look at it. You just can't even you can't even give it any any thought or attention. And I thought to myself, huh, is that is that right? And then I kind of did that. And actually, everything from there to forward made sense. Now, if you have somebody who's stalking you or you have somebody who's harassing you, which, you know, you've seen my situation that I have going on right now, that's obviously a different situation because of the intensity level. But nine times out of 10, people are not taking it up to that level of intensity. And so I kind of took Beast advice. And I think that was probably the only thing that's allowed me to you know, uh, have any, any level of sanity doing this, because if not, you know, if you let this stuff pipe into your head and that's really what's happening, right. When you have these mentions and, you know, especially as your account gets bigger and you get dozens or hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of replies in a minute, you know, the human brain, in my opinion, was not designed to have all that stuff pumped into your brain with that much stimuli going into your brain at any given time. And so I think, you know, sometimes young people are are the best uh, teachers in a certain way. And I just really like Jimmy's kind of virgin approach, so to speak, to to how to deal with all of it. And that's what I've employed. I've never shared that with anybody. I don't know if anybody gives a damn about it, but, you know, that's that's. Uh, oh, that's yeah, we give a damn for sure. We Absolutely. appreciate it. Yeah. Kevin, how about you? I've, I've seen attacks um, invalid. How, how do you deal with it? Um, it's definitely a learning experience, like Bill was saying. Um, probably like six weeks or two months ago, Bill said that GME meltdown on Reddit pretty much became his favorite page. 
instead of the negativity affecting him. And like since that day, I just you know kind of laugh at them and know that I'm on to something or I've been on to something. And then yeah, they won't even let me comment anymore on their Reddit. So that just goes to show that you know if you have the right perspective on these guys, they lose their minds. I mean, they literally won't even let me comment on their Reddit. I know it's a whole different breed over there. It's absolutely nuts. But yeah, after you said that, I just, it turned to laughter instead of anger. And I was trying way too hard to explain myself to everyone or all the ignorance or uneducated comments that were either attacking or against what I'm saying, et cetera. I was like trying to set facts straight and everything like that. And then it was just exhausting, like completely exhausting. After I posted up those, uh, Schwab voicemails and my account blew up when they were trying to get me to lend out my clients GME shares. I mean, there was thousands of comments and I was like, there's a dangerous uh, kind of euphoria getting that on Twitter and getting addicted to seeing everything. And you're trying to see who's talking shit about you. And it was like a super struggle week. And then it just, became from their learning experience to just ignore most of them. And then, you know, I don't even respond to majority of the crap anymore that's out there or take my time out of my day to do it. I just go to the next positive post or the next person that's asking an honest question about whatever I said or do. And, you know, just trying to share nothing but positivity. I love this positivity focus, guys. What great answers and great lessons for really anyone, I'd say. It doesn't matter if you've got 3 million followers or 3 followers, but if you go day-to-day in your life focusing on positivity and trying to keep good faith and providing you know, a good effort forward to whatever you think is important. I know for us that's DRS advocacy, but everyone's got a different passion. And I think that that advice is going to resonate with uh, everybody here. So thanks you guys for that. Yeah, I ditto. Do you guys have any thoughts on the Ryan Cohen smear campaign by mainstream media, you know, calling him the meme King running stories saying he's made illegal trades or saying that he's given up on GameStop, you know, all complete BS. I mean, wouldn't you be concerned if they weren't doing all that? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hedge funds own 90% of the media. So that's all you have to think about anytime you see anything on the media is that they own 90%, which is absolutely the most genius thing they ever did was buying them all up because they can push any narrative they want. But, you know, anytime you see a story about something, you know, they're probably taking the opposite side of the trade, trying to push whatever they want at any given time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Do you think... um... RC is handling his public relations adequately? Like just the the silent stuff? Is that the way to go? For right now, while he's CEO, CEO, I do think so. You know, he he was, when he was in the background as the advocate, he was, you know, posting a lot more memes and funny stuff on Twitter and everything like that. And I think the fact that he's gone a lot quieter and more serious if he does post on Twitter just shows that he's working harder as CEO. He's tired of letting other high paid people run the company that he wants to grow. 
and he's in there just grinding. Yeah, it seems pretty clear he's not afraid of work, which is always great to see. To, speaking of work, I think um, I think Brian's on a quiet pillar. Well, if you guys don't have any more to say on on the first topic, uh, we'll go ahead and get started on the second topic about DRS and plan shares and the recent SEC bulletin. Did you guys have anything more to say about the first topic? No, go ahead and do whatever you guys want. I don't care. Okay, cool. Thanks. Um, in the nest there, uh, there's going to be some links and screenshots of the recent SEC and FINRA bulletins. They were put out on July 12th, just two months ago. Shockingly, they, they plainly state shares bought through a transfer agent are not DRS. The specific language in the purchase section reads as follows. Thus, to hold in DRS, once the securities are acquired, you need to instruct the transfer agent to move the securities from the issuer plan to DRS. That means uh, if you buy through computer share, there's another step. You have to instruct them to DRS after your purchase. And it should be noted that this language in the SEC and FINRA bulletins is is not new except for this what I just read about the plan stuff being having to be moved to DRS. Bill and Kevin, how familiar are you of the difference between DRS and plan shares? And did the SEC bulletin change anything for you? Kevin probably knows more about the technicalities, but why don't you educate me and anybody else in here who is not as expert on it as you are? Well, we're, we're going to be taking a deep dive over the next few minutes. <laughs> okay, give it to me. Okay. Well, um, Bill, this is specifically for you. Uh, I'm looking at a May 23rd tweet from you expressing your concerns over the frictions of DRS. I'll, I'll post in the nest here. I think you hit the nail on the head. It reads as follows. I'm very concerned by my recent issues with computer share. My guess is I'm not the only one affected. There's too much friction in the process to DRS. We need to figure out how to speed up the DRS process. Once that's done, we need to be able to make sure we actually have the shares. I've heard recently, can someone confirm, that just because it is DRS doesn't mean it's booked. Is this correct? In short, it needs to be easier to DRS. It needs to be guaranteed that the shares are actually ours. And it needs to be simpler to communicate all that to the public, my view. Sounds pretty good. Who wrote that? <laughs> that was you. That was your tweet. And like I said, I think you nailed it on the head. Um, we want to dig into these concerns, but before we do, and since we have you guys here, uh, do you want to give any background or your experience that led to this tweet, Bill? Um, I actually probably can't publicly, but um, you can trust that it came from a, legitimate effort that I was undertaking myself and uh and I stand behind what I said you know I think that at least in business and in life right there's speed and then there's friction and sometimes when people want to make things more difficult they introduce friction into the equation and something just doesn't smell right something just doesn't add up right with that whole process and even if you look at the interface of the computer I always screw it up. Computer share website. Um, 
look at the look at the graphics. Look at how old the graphics look. Look at how the um look at how like even the text box and the drop down menus and the way that the logos are situated. Something's just off. And I know that that sounds like crazy um you know micro uh managing so to speak, but I really think there's something to what I'm saying, which is that it's like we're in the year 2023, right? It's going to be 2024 soon. Like this is not 1999 internet. And when I go on that website or when I interface with the company, you know, and again, I have nothing against the company. I'm just saying like something is going on here. And it's, it's, it's like, it harkens back to like 56 K modems and, and like 1999 and stuff. It's like, what is going on? It's like, you should be able to, with the click of a button, do it. And so, you know, you got these index funds and these passive funds and they control basically these companies and they control the stock, which by the way, I think will change. And I think DRS is an important part of that, a very important part of that. But I think even more so and part of that is just the retail shareholder base and people saying enough is enough. I mean, all it takes is a few shareholders to really effectuate change, in my opinion. Now, you have to hit it at the right time and, it, you know, there's a lot of things that go into it, but that was kind of my observation with com- computer share was just like, something's not right here. And I stand behind that. And so it's like, it's like on one side of the equation, you've got all these index funds controlling all this passive stock and basically whatever the hell they say is what these big companies do. And then on the other end, you've got these, you know, retail shareholders, but in some ways we're, we're kind of handcuffed by what we can do to, you know, DRS and stuff. And, that website is a pain in the ass. And by the way, I can figure it out. You can figure it out. Everybody in this room can figure it out. But to me, the question is for the average citizen who doesn't know a damn thing about computer share and direct registering, it's like, do you think they're going to go through and spend their time doing this? No way in hell. And so, you know, I don't mean to poo poo the DRS dream or whatever. I'm genuinely coming from the right intention, which is like, we need to figure out how to make this like even easier than it is right now. And that may be disrupting, you know, that whole pipeline. But until we do that, you know, the average mom and pop is not going to go in, in my opinion, you know, and you could, you could argue with me and I'd love to hear the argument and do it. There's just too much friction. And, you know, even look at when I put up, like I put up uh, last night or I think even this morning again, you know, raising money for some cancer patients. It's like, we try to keep it as simple as possible, right? We have one tweet. It says, okay, this person's you know, dying of thyroid cancer. They need help paying for groceries. Click, you know, click here and help. And with two buttons, you can do it, okay? Like it needs to be that simple, if not simpler, to direct register your shares. And until that day comes, like I certainly am not going to be happy with, with it as a retail shareholder. And that's where I think that we need to get this movement to be. But again, that's just one man's opinion. But I feel per- I feel very strongly about that, and I completely agree with you, uh, Kevin. Did you have something? Yeah, Lawson. I think you should create a clip after this to send to Computer Share Support Team on Bill's comments on that and who he is. No, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Uh, so Bill- we got to we got to be smarter than that. You know what I mean? We got to be. We got no. I mean, you're right, Kevin, and you're very smart. I don't mean that. I mean, you know, we got to. You know, to me, it's not about attacking them. And I know you're not saying that or getting them to fix it. It's like, I don't think, Kevin, I'd be curious what your thought is. I don't, I think everybody does things for incentives, right? 
Like I help people because it helps me and it's the right thing to do, but I do it because it helps me. It's like computer share. I'm not so sure that they have the same incentives that we have with regard to everything we want to do. So it's like, I guess what I'm trying to say, Kevin, and I'm trying to like rip the mask off of this with these people uh, who are running the website. It's like, there's a reason that it's butt ass ugly. And there's a reason that it's functionality sucks. What's the reason is why it is. I don't know. All I know is what is, which is that it sucks and it can't be used. And so I just look at it and I say, wow, these guys incentives are way off compared to ours, because I guarantee you that there's at least 100 people in this chat right now who could build a better website than that. So that to me and they have a lot of money. I mean, look at their market cap. I mean, this these are not stupid people. So I think it comes down to incentives and. You know, that's why I'm a fan of the DRS team and that's why I've backed it even when I get a lot of heat is because you're on to something. It's just we got to figure out the Rubik's Cube cube of how to crack this code. So I, I got so much information on you for computer share. It used to be the joke in the investment advisor world that computer share is still in 1980. Like I would have clients or new clients walk in my office like hey we'd like to move our shares or you have registered shares and you're like in your head oh please god don't be a computer share this was like five years before the drs movement because they would ask for like floppy disks and faxes to get a cat transfers through it was unbelievable it would take like three months to get someone's like registered shares into a brokerage account and we yeah that's on purpose yeah and that's on purpose. Oh, this is all by design. Absolutely. Yeah. They, all the shares they were holding, I mean, they were like, they were a massive company of certificates. You know, grandma's buying Sears stock for grandson and everything. They get the certificates and that's what computer share did. Then they became the biggest or the biggest direct registration transfer agent for companies on their insider share. So all the stock plans for employees at Apple and Google and stuff like that. I don't know which ones I know Apple's there, but I don't know about Google is that computer share. So like 98% of their revenue is coming from other companies, HR doing the work on an ESOP plan. And so computer share just rode the gravy train for 20 years, refusing to adapt. Like all their money's coming from these corporations that just put, you know, a hundred million dollars a year of employee stock plans into direct shares for them that aren't in the market. And, you know, I think we're finally starting to make a dent with how much money is getting direct registered and it needs to be shown to them because they're making, you know, $5 a transaction or a percentage of the money going in. Like if you guys can make it easier where everyone can click and buy, you know, put some stupid confetti and stuff like Robin Hood and have a buy button. They do not want to do that, though, Kevin. Oh, no, absolutely not. Kevin, they, they do not want to do that. They, don't, they get their orders from someone else. And my that's I mean, my this opinion. is just my opinion. This is my opinion, but this is a monopoly. I think and the yeah. real friction comes between DRS, which is a very specific transaction, and the whole plan shares amongst transfer agents, not just computer share, but transfer agents in general. You know, uh, when you purchase through computer share, which I believe you did, Bill, you're purchasing through their direct stock plan and your shares are not DRS. As the new SEC and FINRA bulletin states, there's a second step. 
you have to ask computer share to DRS those purchase shares that the easiest way to do this. And we could, you want to, you know, solve some problems today, people could terminate their direct stock plan and then all of their shares will automatically become DRS. Those plans is where I think maybe there's not just in computer share, but transfer agents in general, where there's maybe deliberate confusion in there. Like the system is designed that way to be confusing. Well, I just would love to follow up on that and kind of appreciate what Kevin and Bill were both saying there. You know, if the majority of their income comes from the management of these plans, then it makes good sense, you know, just from a from a corporate perspective, from a profit perspective, that they're going to be interested in you know, preserving plan enrollment and encouraging plan enrollment and, you know, making it a default. None of that is, you know, a bad thing necessarily. They're a, they're a for-profit company. And as far as, uh, you know, DRS from a broker, let's remember that computer share and other transfer agents don't make any money when that happens. There's no charge uh, to you uh, and there's no charge to continue holding with them uh, if your shares are in that, you know, uh, book designated pure DRS holdings style. So it makes you know sense from that perspective that it wouldn't be high on their priority list to you know make uh, engaging with that type of account uh, more more easy or more accessible. Uh, even though, of course, over the last two years, there's been more interest than ever in that kind uh, of investing. Yeah, but interest doesn't pay the bills, and um, right. And and I'm not talking about the financial interest, but I'm saying the word interest and, and attention does not necessarily pay the bills. Look at the, you know, I'm just looking at the financial statements right now. It looks like they make 400 million in pre-tax income a year, and they're making it from the from the corporations who are controlling this, who are largely these are just my opinions, um, who are who are basically controlled by a lot of these index funds. So. You know, these are corporate cats sitting there making $400 million plus a year. They're trading at 30 times P.E. ratio. You know, from their perspective with the incentives that they have, I don't, I don't think we can expect them to change anytime soon, and I don't think they're going to change. And I think, you know, these guys, they've got all these PR crisis consultants, and, you know, yeah, if they have a crisis or whatever, they have one or two crises, then, you know, they go hire PR. You know, I mean, everybody thought that, you know, when, when GME skyrocketed, that that was the end of everything. And look, I think we're going to win in the end. I genuinely believe that, but I just, I just think that we can't get caught in this mental prison, which is, you know, fixing computer share or whatever. It's like, we have to escape from the mental prison, in my opinion, and start literally from ground zero and start from scratch. And, um, I, I think you'll find we're all in agreement about that here. You know, it's it's not so much that we are trying to only advocate computer share to improve, although certainly that does happen. You know, for example, they uh, provided two-factor authentication to their accounts here in, I think it was 2022, early in the year, that they did that after a lot of requests from from new, uh, new investors who were holding with the transfer agent. Uh, but ultimately, progress is slow, especially with a multinational conglomerate. And that's where resources like uh, those at DRS GME come in. Uh, Lawson mentioned earlier uh, that some investors may choose to terminate their direct stock enrollment and guarantee that they're the sole legal title holder through that, which we'll, we'd love to get more into detail about uh, right after this. But point being, we have picture guides on the site there, a lot of screenshots, a lot of step-by-step instructions, because it can be tough to navigate. And you have to go to 
eight or 10 different pages if you want to terminate your plan enrollment. So then we try to break that down and make it as accessible as possible for, uh, you know, the bill the plumbers and, and out there. Yeah. And, and with that, um, you know, with the, we've been tracking the GME shares, their general location for the last couple of years. And there aren't a whole lot left out of the outstanding shares. You know, as a, a finance professor, I have a finance PhD. I'd like to believe in free markets where natural supply and demand dictate price. But this experience has been a rude awakening. You know, for instance, we've seen some absurdly high volume days, like 66 million on March 22nd of this year. Where the hell did those shares come from? I firmly believe the DTC is accessing the shares in the direct stock plan in the name of operational efficiency. Coincidentally or not, Computer Share put out an update right around that time saying they typically hold somewhere between 10 and 20 percent of the shares that underpin the plan through their broker at DTC. Now, that language they put out was really curious, like shares that underpin the plan. In their terms and conditions from the direct stock brochure, they state in 1A that they accept DRS shares and credit them to the participant's account. So in other words, your DRS shares become part of that direct stock plan. So when Paul Kahn says shares that underpin the plan, he's referring to all of your shares at Computer Share. if you have any plan shares, even a fraction. You know, we will post the video of that in the brochure. Um, and, you know, when he says typically 10 to 20 percent are held at DTC, what about atypical times or atypical stocks? This whole DRS movement was about removing shares from DTC. Why would we want 10 to 20 percent of those shares held at DTC, let alone give them potential access to all of our shares in these highly volatile times? Like, it's just it's so infuriating. I, I, I know it, I believe this is something we can do now. DRS was set up back in 1975, or at least it was started. It's a very simple process. These plans that the transfer agents has set up are not the way to go, my opinion. I just want to back up with uh, another great thing to realize about these plans. A lot of folks, you know, when um, differences between uh, plan holdings and DRS holdings are brought up, they'll say, well, in both cases, you're named on the issuer ledger. And that is true. Uh, both types of the holdings through the transfer agent will allow you to be a named entity on the issuer ledger. And that is fantastic. There's no doubt about that. And that was further confirmed when we viewed the stockholder list. However, uh, and we'll put this in the nest as well. We have um, a source when, when Paul Kahn did his uh, AMA uh, with uh, Superstock, the second one, uh, he detailed that Rather than being sole legal title holders, investors which are enrolled in the plan are actually named in a subclass where the owner is computer shares nominee. So the quote is, uh, quote, when people are buying shares through the plan, we record their names on a subclass within the register so their names are visible to the issuer. Uh, In a technical sense, we're holding a position of those shares in a computer share nominee purely so that we can affect efficient settlement within the market through DTC. In other words, operational efficiency. You know, that's a great point, Chives. That's one of the reasons I prefer not to be enrolled in the plan. If you have any plan shares, even a fraction, then all of your shares are enrolled in the direct stock plan if you look at the brochure, including your DRS shares. You know, so in other words, 
if you have 10,000 DRS shares in one direct stock or plan share, then you have 10,001 shares in the direct stock plan, and then all of your shares are at risk of being held at DTC. The only way to avoid that is to terminate the direct stock plan and become what Paul Kahn refers to as pure DRS. You know, when we reviewed that shareholder list for GameStop back in June and Grapevine, we found that over 181,000 individual investors had computer share accounts and that over a third of these accounts were enrolled in the direct stock plan. This meant that over 22 million shares were at risk of being held at DTC, you know, or typically two to four and a half million of shares were there at any given time. The whole point of this DRS movement was to remove those damn shares from the DTC and give investors sole legal title ownership. And, you know, that's why it's so important what we're discussing right now. So, guys, there's a great review of how, you know, the SEC and the direct stock brochure uh, confirmed that for investors to have – DRS holdings or to be pure DRS, they have to move shares out of the direct stock plan. Uh, How do you guys think we can help spread the message about this nuance? Or what are your impressions about everything you just heard? Well, the last time Dave Lauer talked to Gary Gensler, the head of the SEC, Gary said word for word, I need to look more into this DRS thing. So I'm pretty sure they have no idea what it was until very recently and for them to change rulings and laws. You've seen how long that's taken and the rebuttals they get from everyone on Wall Street. That's why I thought it was so peculiar that it was the SEC that in FINRA that came out with that language on July 12th, specifically saying, hey, if you buy through the plan, you, you still have to do the DRS. There was a lot of misinformation out there on different social media platforms saying, no, no, it's fine. Plan's good. Um, you know, I, I, it was like the unlike, that's what we labeled as unlikely hero SEC with this new bulletin. It was very surprising. And I'd also like to point out um, it's linked there along with the SEC bulletin uh, that computer share in their FAQs have stated the same kind of thing the whole time. Uh, but they use DSPP instead of plan. But that's ba- that's pretty much the only change of language. Um, so it's kind of been staring at us in the face this whole time. And yeah, after 20 years, because the SEC hasn't updated this bulletin about direct registration until this year, the last time it was updated was 2003. So it kind of... I don't know if maybe something happened since after um, what Kevin was saying about when, when Gary Gensler was talking to David Lauer saying, I need to look into that. We were then invited to write a fact sheet about DRS and why it's so important and why it's kind of an important bastion of, you know, shareholder rights. Uh, and we, we got to ask him some pretty serious questions that he, he danced like a good lawyer around um, but we did get some great confirmations from him uh, about certain things. So it, it was a great experience for us. Um, and we also had Paul Con on the call uh, throwing around direct registration facts like there's no tomorrow. Like he, he seems to have quite encyclopedic knowledge, but 
yeah at the same time we 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 keep sending him questions and sending computer share questions but we're just waiting to hear back uh like i think a lot of people uh about this kind of stuff so i can appreciate bill's stance on like we just gotta fix this we gotta figure out a better way to do this um but drs is pretty much as close as we get for now well, just to reiterate it, if you're interested in terminating the direct stock plan, which would mean all your shares would go to DRS, there is a link in the nest and it takes you to the DRS GME website with step-by-step instructions. There's also pictures there that uh, you could follow. I also posted the stockholder list statistics. Uh, some of us collected in Grapevine. Uh, Bill or Kevin, if, do you have any more questions or anything to add? Um, do you have any suggestions of how we could maybe get this information out more efficiently or, or any, um, any questions about what I brought up or what we brought up? I think advocation, like everyone's been doing, I think it'd be a huge benefit for people to message the support staff at computer share nicely and positively for change of actions and ease of, giving them more money really to purchase shares. Like how, how can we make this easier? Um, they updated their website in 2003, just like the SEC. And like, can we make this something they probably haven't even thought of a phone app yet. Sorry if they already have one, I have no idea, but um, I think that's something that would go a long ways, you know, a thousand emails a month about, Hey, can the activity statement look like this? Or is there an easier way to buy this or switch over to DRS plan? Do you guys have an app yet? You know, like positive things don't go ripping on them. But I think that would go a long ways with changing the system to an easier process on computer share, which will make it an easier process for other people to get others into it, you know. Everyone probably here has been telling people about DRS for two years now, and then they go to the computer or share website and they're like, Oh God, no, you know, and if we can get that to change and make it a extremely easy process, then it's going to go a long way and computer share is going to start taking us more and more seriously. The more money that's flowing into the DRS system for them, you know, the transaction fees, and amount of money that they're managing or custodian. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, I like your highlighting to, to interact with them positively because it, it kind of highlights the importance of uh, good faith engagement where you're trying to actually do something productive rather than just demanding something or criticizing. You're trying to help something be more productive and more accessible. Absolutely. Um, if someone here knows how like, um, coding and all the website jargon, I am t- I cannot create a website if you've ever seen mine. I tried really hard. But <laughs> uh, uh, if there's people that know that language to send into their support team or their tech team on the website, like you can do X, Y, and Z and then make this look like, you know, uh, positively building the website from a part. Like, yeah, you're not going to get paid for it, but it could be a better useful platform for everyone in the world. 
Yeah, Great. I'm hopeful Great. we can do something like that in terms of the language of all this because it's so confusing at times. Like, hence the whole like they they throw the word direct in everywhere because uh, even book the entry. <laughs> yeah book entry being confused with book holdings. Uh, but like even like they'll say your plan is purchasing directly uh, from wherever or directly through computer share, and it's like the word directly does not need to be in the sentence. But uh, it's it's just things like this could be all stripped down and, and a, yeah, it would help with the accessibility, I think. Well, if there's think... no more on that topic. Uh, Chives, did you want to go on to the next one? Yeah, I would be uh, glad to do that. I'm just curious, uh, uh, Bill, you had mentioned back at the start, you know, could we try to break that down uh, for you and everyone else? Was that a good overview? It was about as good as it can be given the situation that we have, but I don't know. I just, uh, what keeps me up at night with this whole thing is how do we get millions and, you know, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people to do this? Well, absolutely. And I think that, I think that it's a great segue actually into the next thing that I wanted to talk with you, um, you guys about, you know, the topic uh, three that we've got here. It's called the platforms and deplatforming and the importance of community uh, leadership and open discussion. And so to follow with that, now this discussion around direct stock and issuer plans, transfer agent policies and incentives and engagement with the community are so crucial to have and to keep having. And retail investors researching and discussing these complicated market mechanics is among our biggest strength. Uh, as we all agreed earlier, we're on the same team here. Uh, the, you know, nebulous opposition in the market has so many more resources and so much more cohesion and the benefit of understanding this language. And so uh, operating together and deciphering all of this and figuring things out is something that is so important for retail investors to continue with. And that means you know, having a platform where people can freely discuss their theories and ideas is needed. Now, Reddit and Twitter, in some ways, for example, this space call, uh, can be used for this, and they're great to allow people to find other folks to speak with and to share their perspectives. Uh, but I just wanted to mention that it's not always um, it's not always so uh, glorious when you're working with centralized platforms like Reddit and Twitter. I, for example, you know, some folks may or may not know, but we had a um, large Reddit sub called DRS or GME uh, that was unfortunately taken down following the uh, sharing of information from the 23 uh, GME stockholder list. So not to get too deep into that, but the reason provided uh, was, quote, information that is not easily accessible can still violate privacy policies depending on the greater context. It is not a requirement for the rules that this information is otherwise confidential for it to be violating, and that, end quote. So what that means is that Reddit can, at its own discretion, choose basically any set of information to take down a subreddit over. And that means you know, taking down all the posts and comments, removing it from public search. Uh, since the API changes, there'd be no way to review any of that content anymore. And I think that's a fact to keep in mind about any of these centralized social media companies, uh, be they you know, Reddit or Twitter or Facebook. Ultimately, they have their own policies and rules and priorities. And I'd say the potential alone for that kind of deplatforming to happen uh, is enough of a threat to our ability to collaborate and learn that al alternatives for assembly must be considered. 
Uh, I wanted to mention here that our team is already hosting a Lemmy, which is a Reddit alternative with a similar user interface and basic structure to Reddit. It's open source, self-hosted, transparently moderated, uh, free, without profit influence, and without advertiser influence. And I'd love to see that utilized a lot more just as a hedge, because we don't know what will happen tomorrow, next month, in six months, when it comes to uh, how the centralized social media company is going to treat the spread of investor advocacy, uh, let alone DRS advocacy. So that that's kind of the overview here. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys right off, do you think centralized control of social media is a problem? Yes. I think everyone agrees that it's a problem. I don't, I have, I have zero idea how to fix it. You know, every large social media company is, you know, a corporation. And they're going to, you know, restrict things. They're going to want the most positive stuff showing or, um, I, I don't even know how to put this. Like, I don't think a, f- a 100% free speech platform would work or be successful. You would have so many bad actors with just racist, terrible stuff on there that nobody would go to it. Yes, I think it's a problem with, you know, shushing different categories of uh, politics and social issues, but I have not figured out a way in my head, a way around it to have a successful one that doesn't limit language. I think you make a great point there. Ultimately, some guidelines can be really helpful to promote helpful discussion. Otherwise, you know, the the opportunity cost to make accounts online is pretty low. So you can drown out effective conversation if uh, it happens that there's not a lot of, um, you know, moderation at all. Uh, The the thing I like about this Lemmy platform that I'd mentioned, and I'm sure we'll have a link for that in the Nest as well, is that the moderation is, you know, it comes from the community and it's transparent. So you're not going to meet something like you get on on Reddit or Twitter where when something is removed, you don't know who specifically removed it and why. Uh, There's always going to be that um, review process possible. And actually the removed content can still get viewed if you go into the moderation logs, which are public. So, you know, if a a person is removing a bunch of stuff, other community members can still see that and audit that and, you know, ultimately either confront the issue or since it's open source and self-hosted, you know, transition freely to somewhere else without that problem moderator or administrative team. That's, that's, I really wanted to mention all that here, and uh, I'd love to get any other thoughts from you guys about maybe the potential for alternative platforms that are run by uh, the community instead of by the centralized for-profit entities, and uh, perhaps getting um, you know some confirmation that you'd come check it out and, and see what you think about this platform alternative. I'll come check it out for sure. I would love for someone to solve the problem. Um. Looking forward to learning more about it. And, you know, like I said, I haven't been able to solve the problem in my head of making it worthwhile. I know that eventually once the social media platform gets big enough, like you're going to need employees and money and advertisements 
to pay for everything and to run the entire show. And if it's not running, then the VC capital, or if it's not growing, the VC capital is not going to be flowing in. You know, if there's Nazi posts and anti-Semitic posts like that, it's, it's just such a fine line. I have no idea. I can't wait to see someone pull it off. I'd love it. Well, hey, great. Only time will tell. What do you think, Bill? I think it's great. I'll check it out. And I think centralization of social media is one of the biggest problems that the world faces. And I'm not, uh, I'm not over emphasizing that. So I think it's great. I think generally speaking, people should be able to say what they want to say, no matter how offensive it is, as long as it's not, you know, clearly criminal. I share that belief. And I, I do happen to think this uh, platform um, and software uh, will only keep improving again, as it's open source and folks can, uh, you know, the coders and web geniuses of of the the world can continue to refine it so that uh, slowly and shortly we can uh, build these, um, you know, these beacons of community and discourse outside of, you know, these for-profit advertiser-driven, VC-driven realms. So uh, that's great. We'll definitely uh, have a link for that in the nest and um, look forward to seeing you guys on there. Uh, That's, that's everything I wanted to mention as far as that goes, unless you guys had anything else we can, uh, move on to the next thing. Oh, I think that's a great segue in, into our next topic, which is kind of an alternative platform in itself. Um, I think this is something Six Days has has something to say about, and it's uh, how you buy shares without a broker. Um, I've used the service myself, um, so I can speak to it, but I'll let Six Days, because uh, he's gone in heavy on this. <laughs> okay, so... Um... There is a website um, called giveashare.com, which is a business where anyone can give anyone else in the world um, shares of stock, and you don't need their social security number. So all you need is their name and address, and if you want to give your niece or nephew or grandma or friend or Mickey Mouse a share of stock, you can do that. Okay. Um, So um, their, their service... Instead of a normal broker, you know, you would buy, that's one step, and DRS, that's a second step. Or if you buy through computer share, uh, you have a plan share, and then you need to terminate the plan in order to DRS. So actually, with Give a Share, it's a one-step DRS, um, So uh, which sounds great. Um, it's a great service. Um, we're hoping to have them on for future space. A couple um, limitations um, with, uh, with them is that you can only buy one share at a time. So if you wanted to buy a hundred shares, you can't yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, another, and I think there's uh, a, quite a premium to the share price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is expensive. I have um, bought. Yeah, that's uh, a big. Bought, that's a big. That's a big problem. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. I'm not going to um, sugarcoat that. Um, I mean, this thing's supposed to be have, an investment uh, in there. And, the, and uh, what's the, that? The, the, it's you know when you invest in a company, it's supposed to be an investment. And these guys, for one way or another, they're hosing you right off the bat. I think six days is more of a like spreading the word about DRS. Okay, and, great. And, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And you know, and another thing, I know that Bibic has um, has experience with, um, and you might not know this, Bill. Um, people internationally, when they want to DRS, uh, 
it, it's very difficult or they might have, um, you know, a huge fee up front, like a $300, $500, you know, just to DRS their international shares. And so for them, uh, like I, I believe Bibic bought a share for himself, which opened his account with computer share, which then allowed him to start buying through computer share. And so it's, you know, honestly, for uh, most of the people that are on here, as far as GME is concerned, you know, they, they really did provide, um, uh, you, you know, honestly, the the cheapest option, you know, for some people to get their, you know, DRS started. So um, I did want, you know, um, a, a couple things. They do have around 200 companies that people buy stocks for. Um, they actually, um, one thing that I've gotten into a little bit is um, certificates, um, the paper shares that everyone's trying to get away from. Um, they actually give you uh, a real paper certificate for the issuers that still allow it. Um, so I had, um, Bill, I'd actually um, recommended to them, um, you know, uh, adding um, Pulte Group. And um, they, uh, you know, may or might, may not do that, but um, I- That'd be I, great. Uh, so they don't, they don't do it right now. They should. They don't. Okay. So, um, you know, I told him I would talk to you one day. Um, I, I had told them, um, you know, uh, it, we probably have something in common where um, I'm, I'm friendly with um, a lot of different communities. I think that's one of the breakdowns um, between uh, that's really getting this thing going is that, you know, the, the GME guys are mad at the AMC guys and the, you know, the Bed Bath and Beyond guys. I just, uh, you know, most of the people that are here are just big DRS advocates. And I don't care what stock anybody buys. If they want to learn about DRS, I'm there to answer their questions. So um, with yeah, that being and said, I love I that had... and I appreciate everything you're doing sincerely. Uh, I would say that I also think that there's less fighting than we think. I just think that the way that social media is, is it amplifies those who yell the loudest. And so I think sometimes they can be the most offensive. So they can make it seem like people are more upset than they are. And I would say only, you know, in my experience, and I've seen large numbers of people from each of these different stocks common in my feed, you know, I'd say 10% of them are like that five to 10%, but 90% of people I think are pretty even handed and, um, you know, they're not gonna, you know, have meltdowns about, uh, you know, people owning different stocks or feeling different ways or whatever. Yeah. Well, that's, um, that's great to hear. I, I completely agree. Um, uh, so I, I did, you know, um, ask them, I, I, I believe that they are going to, um, add, um, Pulte group to their, uh, to their list. Um, I had kind of, um, promised them that I was going to give away, um, three shares of Pulte group if they added it, um, you know, just, just for me personally. And, and I, I did have one question for you because I had in the past, um, you know, done a, a contest on, um, Reddit, you know, where if someone, uh, guessed something, you know, I would, I, I was going to give them the financial equivalent to go buy a GME share. And so I, my question for you is, would, you know, do you, would, would you recommend staying away from uh, giving away an actual share of stock um, in a contest as opposed to, hey, here's, you know, $20, uh, go buy your own share, you know? Well, you and I should probably talk offline about that if that's all right. You know, one of yeah, the things yeah, that, absolutely. One of the things that uh, that I've learned is, especially when you're dealing with these public securities, um, you know, there's things that you could, you can, and should talk about publicly, and then things that you should, uh, you know, make sure that you're doing it properly before you do it publicly. So I'd be happy to give you some of my insights on 
on how, okay. on how to do that. And uh, again, I don't mean to dodge the question. I just think it's probably in your best interest for me to kind of share some of the things yeah, I've learned no, I, about that. I, I appreciate that. And, and that's, um, that's honestly um, how I thought you might respond. So I, I appreciate it. And I'll, I'll reach out to you privately and we can um, ha- have a discussion on it. Thanks I just followed you so you can DM me. Directly. Okay. Awesome. I think that that's all I wanted to cover. I, you know, I did want maybe um, Bibbit could kind of chime in um, as far as his experience and why he used Give a Share for himself. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they seem like lovely people. I don't understand the, the premium that gets applied. But for me personally, it was worth every penny because I had five different brokers in England and uh, none of them uh, were able to direct register my shares. I, I managed with the help of uh, someone else in the community. We, we hassled this one bank slash broker into doing it for us. Uh, it took... It took a couple months to convince them, and then it took another three months for the transfer to actually happen. Uh, and in that time, I just went ahead and bought a share through Give a Share. I got access to my account within a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of months, sorry. Um, and I believe they've sped this process up a bit more now. And it, even with um, GameStop specifically, because of the interest in it, they they offer a digital only option which has a uh, less of a premium on it there's no delivery fees you got to pay for your you know um replica certificate i ended up going for the framed replica certificate with an engraving and everything just cuz i love looking at it yeah so i i can totally appreciate for inside the us it may not be the fastest way or or the uh, most cost effective way in but for the international community trying to get in on american stocks it's it was fantastic for me. Uh, and like six days was saying a lot closer to that one click solution than what we're experiencing elsewhere. But yeah, uh, that's, that's all I've got to chime in for that. With that, we're, we're moving on to our last little Good, Get them to add, get them to add Pulte homes if they can. Oh yeah. Six days is going to get all over them for that. For sure. Tell, he, tell he, them he, you talk he, to me and I'm a <laughs> nice shareholder. I, I, I believe I that they're, you know, I, honestly, I believe that they're going to do it. When I had mentioned it, um, I, I I don't know their process and and how um, you know how how they want that to get out or not. But I believe that they they might um, buy shares ahead of time um, and then kind of have them in in queue for when people do buy. And uh, they might have already done that. I haven't confirmed that with them, but I would believe that in the next few weeks it'll be added. How are we doing on time for you guys? Because we'd love to get to a couple of community questions, but I just want to make sure. Yeah, maybe uh, we can take two questions and then I've got to hop uh, if that's okay. But uh, but I can come on some other time. So, yeah, if you've got any, maybe one question for me, one question for Kevin, and I think Kevin can stay longer. But that's up to Kevin, obviously. For sure. I think we've got someone requested to come up and ask a question, so we can start with them. Uh Abibic, I think we have a couple of questions uh, from the Discord community. So maybe we could use those. Yeah, let's start with that. It's so slow to respond from, on my phone. Uh, we have a couple from Miller, and Miller's here listening. Maybe we can just get Miller up here to ask them himself. I've sent an invite. I've also, Oh, cool. MJL, you are in if you want to ask your question quickly. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. And thanks, Bill, for your time um, and for your message to the community about really just um, – you know, being together and obviously uh, not uh, victimizing or vilifying any particular groups. 
Um, specifically, I just wanted to ask, um, you know, uh, not taking away from DRS in any way whatsoever, but does there also need to be a larger discussion around really when I think people are wanting to DRS for is ownership, but also, um, you know, not preventing the share lending and price discovery and all that other good stuff. But really, I think it's also communication with the company itself. And I guess what I'm kind of wondering is, Bill, does there also need to be a discussion around, you know, the the role transfer agents play? And specifically, you know, they're their kind of company's bridge to the exchange, if you will. And I'm, I know I'm oversimplifying there, but what I'm getting at is really we're talking corporate governance and communication between the company and the community specifically you know for shareholders only very similar to like what you're doing with the Pulte group um investor uh group that you're kind of pulling together for shareholders only i feel like that's really the 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 pull for why so many people want drs is yeah they want the ownership they want it to be in their name but they also want that role they want the company investing in what they want to invest in and I think that's that's part of the way that they do it. Do you see that as kind of another issue is just the role of transfer agent play in general? Yes, 100 percent. And I think it's critical, you know, to really getting transparency is having a conversation and then actually taking change that fundamentally transforms that. Because the harder that this is, the harder that this friction is. I'm just telling you, the monopoly is going to keep on going and keep on going and keep on going. And until we stop it, until we look at the whole plumbing and we get out of this mental prison that we have to work with computer share. And again, I'm genuinely not trying to beat them up. I'm just saying like, we've got to completely look at this thing differently. If we want to solve it, will we finally yeah, have strength in numbers and we need to have strength in numbers. And that comes through direct registering your shares and saying, no, we own these companies. These people don't own these companies. I mean, I've never heard of such a thing. I've never heard of such a thing where you can own a piece of property. I mean, it's like it's like worse than being in some some hedge fund as a limited partner. I mean, it's like worse than being, I don't even know, in like one of these crowdsourced whatever where you don't even know what the hell's going on inside of it. It's like a black box. You put your money in this thing and you don't even know if you own the fucking shares. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. So yeah, I appreciate it. You know, it's like if it's your money, you should own a piece of the company. I mean, this is the way it used to be with stock certificates and these type of things. It's like so it's like I think, you know, some people, you know, who who knows who it is exactly. I mean, I think everybody's got different ideas of who it is, you know, took advantage of the situation where you went from stock certificates to, you know, exchanges and some of this computer share stuff electronically and it should be like the reverse we should be getting more transparent not less transparent if you own ten dollars or fifty dollars or a hundred dollars worth of stock you should know how much fucking stock you have in these companies and this idea that these executive teams and these management teams running these companies think somehow that they can use these transfer agents or that they can use these exchanges to shield them from accountability is just wrong it's wrong morally, it's wrong ethically, and I think at the end of the day, these guys will be completely screwed when they, when you know, the the cows come home, because people own the stock, people own these companies, and this cash flow inures to the benefit of the shareholders. It doesn't inure to the benefit of some bullshit exchange or some bullshit transfer agent or some bullshit management team. So, you know, it really your question really is a great one and it aggravates the living shit out of me. 
And that's why I'm in this movement. And that's why I'm saying like, when I get these people who are shitting on me for talking to these different communities, it's like, they don't even realize you can't even have the fuck. You can't even have patience dealing with that kind of shit. Because if, if you start to entertain that stuff, or if we start to entertain that stuff and we start tearing it down, we're not going to, we're, we're not going to get transparency. We're going to keep on getting the same old, same old, you know, Ken Griffin, you know, Citadel. I mean, you know, these guys could look like angels compared to what comes next if we don't fix this. And that's a problem. So anyway, yeah. don't get me started. No, sincerely appreciate it. I think you're a lot of what you just, uh, thankfully, I think the conversations have been getting, getting had over the last two years um, kind of speak a lot to the community wanting a lot of the same thing. Um, it really kind of incentivizes that long-term investor where, yeah, I want to park my money right here, but I want to know, it's going to, you know, either pay dividends or it's going to, or just the way I want shit. Yep. It's like, it's like, okay, you have, you have whatever you have something in your brokerage account. Well, okay. Well, do I actually own this shit? Because I'll tell you, there's a lot of management teams out there, you know, and not to pick on one, but you know, the CEO of Pulte group, he was arguing through his people that one of these shareholders was actually not a registered shareholder because they hadn't technically direct registered and all this kind of stuff. I don't know if you saw that. And this is one of the issues that I've had with him. And I've been a, you know, a critic of some of the things he's done not well. And there's 6,000 employees at Pulte group. So, you know, I love 99% of them. This is a couple bad executives from time to time that we have to deal with and we deal with them accordingly. But, but it's like, who the hell are these management teams to tell people that they're not the shareholders? I mean, they put their money in this thing. So, I guess just stepping back, it's like whether you own Google or you own whatever, it's like if it's listed in your brokerage account, like you should be able to have – I mean it's like owning a car. It's like owning a, a home. Like that's your shit. And it's like until we start to get people on – you know, who are not interested in this, who are not – you know, the thousand people listening to this right now, until we get the average person who's just kind of a fly-by-night investor pissed off that this stuff is not their shit or that they can't prove that it's their shit. I just don't think that this is going to take over. And no, I mean, I'm just one guy, right. With the Twitter account, but I'm trying to do my part to let people know this is really how the system is rigged against them is it's like, people want to tell you that that's not even your shit. You know, I mean, imagine somebody coming up to your home after you buy a home, right. Even if you've got a mortgage on your home and you have title to your home, you have title to your, uh, you know, and you get title insurance. So you make sure that, you know, you, you, you fully have title or you have car insurance and somebody just walks up and says, Oh no, by the way, you don't own this car. I own this car. Or by the way, you kind of own this car, but not really. Cause I'm in charge of your car. And you say, what the fuck? I have the title. And, and so I just think, you know, we need to get the, the people outraged with this. And it's like, that's why, you know, if you can tell, I, I just think like thinking about computer shares, like, living in the paradigm that they want us to live in. And we have to break out of that mental prison and allow people to understand that when they're investing their money, the average person, I'm not talking about all the people who are in this community and support this, right? I'm talking about how do we get my 3 million followers to realize, you know, and I call them teammates because we're out there helping people raise money for cancer and all this other kind of stuff. It's like, why can't they also be educated to know that in many cases they don't own the stock? So, yep. anyway, sincerely appreciate it. Um, I think the one super brief follow up, uh, but I do uh, appreciate you being candid um, would be um, how 
just kind of simply put, how difficult, other than, you know, a buyout of some kind, how do you get a public company to go private so that it can do something like leave the exchange it's on? Or do you know, uh, maybe that's a really specific market structure question, but perhaps that's a good question, but you don't need to go private in order to make the right decisions, right? The fish rots from the head. And we have a situation where whether it's transfer agents or whether it's some of these large shareholders who maybe don't have the best of intentions, I'm not talking about anyone in particular, but, you know, it's like the fish rots from the head. And so, you know, if you have a, a bad CEO or you have a bad board or you have a coupon clipping board, as I call it, you know, they just go and they collect their $200,000 a year and uh, they don't give a damn what the executives do, right? Then they're not going to care about the the exchange. And this kind of gets back to the incentives. I mean, I've been on the board of a Fortune 500 company. I've been in these boardrooms. I know how this game is played. And a lot of these people, God love them, but they're in their 50s and 60s and maybe they're have different incentives, some of them, you know, and they have different incentives they want to provide for their grandkids and they're making 250 grand a year. Great. Good for them. But is that the exact incentive that you have, right? When you're asking me this question, I'm not so sure. And that's why I think like these people who underestimate Ryan Cohen are fools is because this is a guy who's got his own money in the damn thing. You know, the fish rots from the head in his case, he's a good, you know, fish. And so it, it goes downward. He's got a good board. I think the board, you know, owns stock. And I don't even know if they take any compensation. If they do, it's de minimis. So I th- that's why I think, like, you know, you get five or six or 10 or 12 or, you know, a couple dozen people like Ryan Cohen, coupled with all this other inertia of every single person in this talk right now. That's how we're going to fundamentally transform the, the, uh, the you know, ch- change the tide. And that's why I'm, in addition to, you know, liking him personally and those type of things that I believe in Ryan Cohen is because, like, I do not think that either people have the right incentive to look at that Ryan Cohen is different or they don't understand how different Ryan Cohen is. But Ryan Cohen is not normal. That is not normal. And I mean that in a good way. It is not normal for the CEO of one of these companies to have the structure that Ryan Cohen has done. And, you know, I said in the last earnings call or not, I wasn't on the earnings call, but I'm saying, you know, that day I said, watch out for M&A because he's got all he's got a shitload of cash. He's smart as hell. He's got his own money in this damn thing. And then and then it came out, I think, the 10Q and it had like M&A all over it. And everybody was like, wow, what did you know? And I didn't know anything. But I'm just saying, if we get Ryan, if Ryan can perform and execute and God willing, you know, nothing happens to him because a lot of people are going after him. We got to protect him. But. If we can protect Ryan Cohen and he can protect himself and he can grow this thing, who knows? Maybe there's another company that he could get involved in. You know, I think that may happen and who knows what that company will be, but I think that may happen. But if we can get another, like I said, you know, half a dozen, dozen, two dozen guys like Ryan Cohen, that's how you're going to transform the whole thing. And I think that that would be the most bullish thing for the U.S. economy ever. I mean, can you imagine if we had a hundred Ryan Cohen's just running the fortune 500 alone. I mean, forget about China and all this other shit. I mean, we would be the strongest country in the world. And um, anyway, could listen to you talk about that all day. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of fantastic passion there. And I I think it's, it's shared by, you know, everyone that's on the call. Uh, Absolutely. The case that, 
you know, these leaders can perform great things, but what we really are doing as uh, retail shareholders with the interest in DRS is making it possible for them to understand the interest at the base level as well. You know, so many companies, 99.9% owned by seed, according to their issuer ledger. And so, of course, they don't have any direct uh, connection or understanding of you know the interests at the base level. And so that, that's what we're trying to do you know, with YDRS.org, especially uh, spread this advocacy message, get people understanding and passionate and interested to own their own investment and you know, keep this going because uh, you know, there's one Ryan Cohen, sure, but there's you know, maybe other, you know, mysterious uh, CEOs that we don't know who would be reciprocative uh, to this message, who would want to listen and help their shareholders. Um, they're out there. Well, these people are out there. And uh, and we're here and we need to show them that, that we exist. And that's what legal title is all about. That's a great question and a great answer. I think quickly we can uh, maybe bring up uh, the question that Miller had Um he can't jump on as a speaker right now, but uh, he he wants to know, uh, because he's a fiend for this, he wants to know how we can better promote our websites or any kind of inexpensive guerrilla marketing ideas. We've got all sorts of materials that we've made, uh, but it's like, how do we get it out there? Um, do you have any experience with that, Paul or Kevin, getting uh, more eyes on what you're trying to do or what you're trying to advocate for? I I would take the. Go ahead, Kevin. I got a hot, but I appreciate everyone (laughs) being on here, listening to this one man talk about it. In my case, and Kevin, it was great talking to you again. Good luck with your charity thing. Uh, Thank you. Keep it up. Maybe we'll find a way to do something together. To the DRS team and everybody who hosted this, thank you for having me. And um, no, let's just keep chugging away. I mean, we're gonna. We're going to win. It's just a matter of time. I'm just trying to figure out how we speed up the time. And that's, that's all I was commenting on. So I'll catch you all later. Thanks again for having me. And whoosh, what's up, brother? What's up? What's up? What's up? And Kaj Malaj and Plur, I see all these guys in here. It's great to see everyone. So Appreciate thanks it, for having me. Yeah, we hope to have you back soon. All right. Uh, Kevin, were, were you going to say anything about helping with promotion or... I was just going to point out that Bill's probably way better at according to <laughs> 3 million followers. <laughs> yeah, I thought that might have been it. <laughs> yeah, it's all just time you put in. It's how many places, different social medias you post items to. I mean, period. Or if you want to take it as far as direct marketing and flyers and billboards, whatever it be. Uh it's not easy if you're not famous, but I do think one good path to take is if anyone knows people that are big or famous to show them, you know, the 20 minute story of what this is, what direct registration is, what in street name shares are, you know, that would actually probably be the fastest way to grow the websites and brand and ideas is to find the biggest players and educate them. Yeah. I I've been getting this feeling lately as well about that because we're seeing the, uh, SAG after and, and WAG strikes uh, all over Hollywood. We've got this fat chunk of middle-class who, you know, have 
uh, investments in their retirement accounts and they don't own any of them. Um, and they're also angry at these CEOs who are taking in larger and larger bonuses and paychecks every year while everyone else is getting paid less and less. So, yeah, maybe maybe now's the time to strike. Uh, I mean, we're still building our uh, resources on MyDRS to kind of make it as frictionless as possible on our end of things without being part of the system. But yeah, I think uh, as time goes on and with the economy going the way it is, I think our chances of getting bigger and bigger names are getting better and better. I've just um, brought up uh, Altair uh, as a speaker. I don't know if you still had a question. Yeah, I don't know if you guys can hear me. Yeah, we can hear you. So my question is for Kevin. I've been working on looking at an AIG, so an activist investor group. Last month, I talked to a guy from ShareAction who he's in London. And so their goal is on ESG initiatives. They are a nonprofit, not-for-profit. And one of the ways they get out their advocacy is talking to asset managers. So do you know of any list of asset managers we can contact, how to get our foot in the door, anything like that for just expanding our advocacy for DRS? It's a hard pathway to go down. I'm so far the only asset manager I know of trying to figure out every day how to manage DRS assets for clients. But for 99% of the investment advisors, you know, hedge funds, asset managers, Edward Jones, Schwab, all these companies, DRS takes money investments out of their paycheck into a transfer agent. So it's extremely hard to do. I'm trying to crack the code right now on the new custodian I have for my firm and we'll know hopefully in a couple of months whether the DRS worked for all my clients on the share ledger. Um, but in two- oh, we I think we lost him. I think Kevin may be back. Yeah, I couldn't hear hey. anything after I got done talking, or if anyone even heard me. That was weird. Uh, yeah, it was just your last two sentences. It cut out for us. No clue what those were. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the moment's gone. <laughs> but uh, I think. Oh no, God! I've tapped to approve Kais several times, and it's just—I'm uh, going to see if I can invite him. Um, but yeah, the idea of an activist investor group was really interesting to me. It's not something I've had time to look into much myself, um, just because maintenance of the project—it's uh, so so time-consuming, but. Um, yeah, it sounds like it could give a lot of power to retail if we were able to kind of collect- collectively say we are unified on this idea and message and we want to help. We, you know, we could all be one one thousandth of Orion Cohen, <laughs> which, you know, that's something I aspire to. It is really difficult to even find any information on this. There's just, even media is, every single article I see is go against any activist investor, how to stop an activist investor, how to go, they do not want any activist groups coming together and even pushing for any shareholder resolutions because these retail members can also get a seat on the board and push for new things, like for making it easier to DRS. That's one of the things that us shareholders can be pushing for, especially when we have a united front. 
it's a powerful thing being able to organize in an effective manner like that. Um, I think it's something that they're very scared of for understandable reasons. Um, uh, to the point where the word organizations become a, a kind of triggering topic where like, Oh, is this allowed? Can we do this? And it's like, well, discussing ideas, exchanging of information, it's all perfectly fine. Um, and when it comes to agreeing on things and agreeing on topics and getting to the point where you're like, actually, yeah, we want to help out this company that we've invested in. Um, I think it's all very above board. Hey guys, as the space host, I was only counting on being here for about an hour and I am going to have to leave. <laughs> so, uh, sorry to cut it off. Um, we're going to have to end now. Kevin, thank yeah. you so much for being here. Thank you for making it possible for Bill Pulte to show up too. And thanks everyone for, for listening again, our recordings, uh, you can always listen to past episodes. We'll be here next week as well. Um, there's links for our Twitter community, DRS, your GME. They're, all the recordings are there as well as on Apple and uh, Spotify podcasts. So thanks again, guys. Uh, see you next time. Appreciate it, man. Great show. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being here, Kevin. Thanks for being here, everyone. Thanks, guys and girls. Bye.